Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is Jimmy Kemsky of phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowden of bleedinggreennation.com. Here we are recording BGN Radio episode at number 124. And we have some news. Not great news to talk about, but we finally do have some news this offseason. And that is that Brandon Brooks, that's Pro Bowl right guard Brandon Brooks, tore his... Was it left Achilles? And he tore his right Achilles uh, originally a couple years ago in the Saints playoff game. So I think it was the left. I know it was the dip, the other Achilles this time around. But he tore his Achilles. Brandon Gowden, do they ever get any injury luck? The Eagles have an offseason here, Jimmy, where they're not even practicing. Like they <laughs> normally would be in OTAs and minicamp. And, and like basically the most number one important thing from those events is to just avoid injury. And somehow. <laughs> right. They have somehow still <laughs> suffered a major injury, which we'll get into. But at the top of the show, Jimmy, I just wanted to mention to you that BGN Radio is brought to you by Wright's Felon Craft Jerky. And now you can eat the same meat snacks that the Eagles do, especially with Father's Day coming up. Great gift idea. You can go to Wright'sFelon.com and use discount code BGN15, that's BGN15, at checkout for 15% off your orders. So definitely go do that. That's BGN15 for 15% off. Yeah, um, hopefully my eight-year-old daughter orders me some righteous felon beef jerky. There you go. So Brandon Brooks is done. That's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously a great player. Uh, I think there were parts of the year uh, during the year last year that some felt that he was the best guard in the NFL. Uh, I don't know if that's – I don't know if I would agree or not. But obviously he's a great, great player. Uh, His his last two seasons – Ended with severe injuries. He tore his Achilles, as we mentioned, uh, in the Saints playoff game. Jason Kelsey went as, as far as to say that, you know, that injury may have cost them that game. Uh, and then uh, last year on a, what was it? A, was, it was it a PAT or a, uh, yeah, or a field it goal? PAT. It was, uh, yeah, he was blocking on uh, on the PAT. And uh, I don't remember exactly what happened, but he, he injured his shoulder. Shoulder required injury or required surgery. He was going to be good to go for the start of training camp. And then out of the blue, old D-Gun gets the scoop. Brandon Brooks, done for the season, torn Achilles. How big is that? How big of a loss is that for them? What do you think about that? I think it's significant. I mean, he's one of their best players. You could argue like he's he's their best player. Now, you know, if you weigh importance of position, that's a little bit different. But just on, you know, total like. You think the- he's their best player? I think you can make the case for it, especially coming off last year. Like I think you could, I think you could argue he was the best player on the team last year. Like in just in terms of, like he had a pretty good, great season consistently. I'll disagree with that, but okay. I, I, I see your, I, I see, I see what you're saying. But he's like yeah, top I think five, like, right? I, I think Jason Kelsey's the best center in the NFL. Okay, and I think Lane Johnson's the best right tackle in the NFL. Hmm. So like, I think they're they're the two guys on the roster that that are the best at their position in the league. I don't think Brooks is that necessarily. He might not even be the best right guard in the, in the division, but he's obviously great. Like he's a, he's a great great player. But I would I would have Kelsey and Lane ranked ahead of him. 
in terms of best player at their position. I think it's so unfortunate now thinking about it more that you look at how these injuries were suffered, like again, on a PAT in week 17. <laughs> right. And just, you know, he was running, I think he said on Twitter, he explained how exactly he got hurt on Twitter. And, you know, just something popped, he was working out. Uh, so that's really unfortunate. And obviously just, you know, this has been said a billion times everywhere, anywhere that anyone has talked about the Brandon Brooks injury but like you know brandon brooks is just a real dude like a good dude. really good guy for sure by one, of, one of the better one of the better guys in the locker room i i think back to when i was talking to him uh, after the 2017 season uh it was like otas 2018 and i talked to him about how much it mattered that they had offensive line continuity because they were like one of the only five teams or so that was returning all five starters from the year before and like you know a lot of players would kind of just and to their, what's fair, I'm not saying it's unfair, but a lot of players will kind of just sit there and kind of give you like a boilerplate answer or not really think about it much and whatever, that's fine. But like yeah. Brandon Brooks like would actually like take the time and he'd look at me and like really think about it and he'd be like, and he like gave me this in-depth explanation. It's almost like the recorder wasn't even on. Like he was just like telling me as a human being like how, mm. how it's important and like, and I just thought that was really cool. And then obviously he got into talking too. I wrote a story about it at the time about how he almost quit football when he was playing for the Texans because it was miserable because it was like the Bill O'Brien, um, like Patriots nonsense where they, like they took posters down of players, of Pro Bowl players, and they, they couldn't have the TV on in the cafeteria. Like he was going through all that and he was, just, you know, he was just going off basically. And just, just a real guy basically like, like, uh, and it's, I, it's, it's unfortunate. Also, I think underrated leader almost. I remember there was a clip from, uh, all or nothing where he tells JJ Ortega Whiteside, I think it was in, like the Giants game. It was late in the season or so. And he was like, hey, you know, you just made a play. Like, remember that for next time. Like, you remember next time that, like, you you can do it. Like, that was just cool to see. I remember at the Super Bowl uh, during one of the media sessions uh, leading up to the game, there was a huge wide open room. And they had, like, a couple players uh, seated, like, 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 two players per table. So there was plenty of room for, like, three porters to sit in the chairs and, and you know, interview whoever they wanted to or whatever. Brandon Brooks had like a, you know, a decent little crowd around him. I'd say there was like five, six reporters or whatever. And he was talking, of course, about, you know, the anxiety stuff. And mm-hmm. the other guy at the table was Will Beatty. And for whatever reason, I had something <laughs> I had to ask Will Beatty about something. Like, I think it was, I was talking to, I guess, all the guys on the roster who had previously won a Super Bowl with another team because there were a bunch of them that they picked uh. up either that year or the year before. So he was one of them. And I, I wanted to talk to Will Beatty. And Will Beatty was just like, no, nah, I'm not talking right now. Like, <laughs> I'm listening to I'm listening to Brandon Brooks. Like, he didn't want to he didn't want to talk because he wanted to sit there and listen to what Brandon Brooks was was talking about about his battles with anxiety. And I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. fine, whatever. I mean, I had already heard all that. Like, I had already heard all, all about Brandon Brooks' story and everything. So, like, uh, you know, I was like, okay, I guess I'll get you tomorrow then. But uh, I thought that was interesting that like another player was just like, nope. Like, and, and like somebody, especially, especially somebody like Will Beatty too. Like nobody's talking to Will Beatty. Like he, yeah. you think he'd be like happy that somebody came up and was was you know actually wanted to ask him some things. But he was just like, no, I'm sorry, but like I, I want to listen to what Brandon's talking about here. So uh, I was like, all right, man, good enough. Talk to you tomorrow. So you know, I think he had a, I think he had the respect of uh, you know everyone in the locker room, including you know guys like Beatty, even who had been in the league for I guess he had been probably around the league like ten years or so by that point. Two times Super Bowl champ. Yeah. So. Uh, he definitely left. He definitely seems to leave an impression uh, on you know all the people that he kind of encounters along the way. And the Eagles are zero and six when Brandon Brooks has played fewer than fifty percent of the snaps. Zach Berman tweeted that out. 
Now, there were some tough games in there, as we kind of talked about before the show. Well, inside baseball there for you. Like, uh, there was the Seahawks twice last year, and it was the Saints playoff game. And there was a couple games, I believe, in 2016, you know, when the Eagles weren't really that great of a team that year anyway and finished 7-9. and nine. Um, So, some context there. But uh, I don't think their season is over because of, you know, one injury. Of course, yeah. But I think it's significant. I, I don't think it's a nothing thing. So, especially when you kind of move the conversation here, Jimmy, to who is going to replace – Brandon Brooks, Doug Peterson was asked about this for, you know, he spoke for the first time in quite a bit, I guess, since kind of the end of the draft or whatever. And he said they're going to look, or nothing's been determined, but they're going to look inside first, internal options. So I guess we should start there. Not a surprise. I I figured they were probably going to give their younger guys a chance. I mean, they've been kind of stockpiling uh, some interior offensive linemen. And you do that for this for this reason. Like if you have a guy go down, then you, you hope that one of the guys that you've kind of been developing behind the scenes can step up and, and take on that role. And the first guy, obviously, the obvious candidate right off the bat is Matt Pryor, who started a playoff game last year uh, against the Seahawks. And he start, or he came in midway through the, I guess, the first Seahawks game right. after uh, Andre Dillard got benched at halftime because Big V was playing right guard. Interesting that like, Pryor didn't get the first opportunity to mm-hmm. play right guard. Instead, they had Big V playing right guard. But when Dillard was awful at right tackle, they kicked uh, Big V out to right tackle and Pryor filled in at right guard. Yes. And that kind of uh, that, that gave them more stability during the second half of that game. And then uh, after Brooks went out in the Giants game, uh, week 17, Pryor stepped in and he played right guard in that game as well. So I had a, Pryor was actually the first guy that I looked at uh, earlier this offseason in that, you know, series that I've been doing, like guys that are either new to the team or going to have maybe uh, an elevated role in, in 2020. I didn't foresee this happening, obviously, but uh, he, was, he, was actually, he was actually the first guy that, uh, that I profiled because he was easy because there was only three games to look at and it's not hard to find him on, on, you know, from play to play. So I was just looking for an article to get up. Whenever I did that, but my big takeaways there was he's a big, strong guy. Like he's big, very big, <laughs> right? Big, strong, powerful man. Steal from birds with friends, but uh, yeah, that's what he is. He's a big, strong, powerful man. Uh, not the most nimble or agile guy. Uh, feet are going to be an issue, maybe. Think some speed, you know, guys on the interior. Some quicker guys will give him problems, but uh, he will at least anchor against power. I think he's like at least a decent enough player that you can stick in there. The 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 silver lining here is that, you know, we mentioned that I mentioned, you know, just you know, a few minutes ago that I think Jason Kelsey is the best center in the NFL and Lane Johnson is the best right tackle in the NFL. So whoever they put in between those two guys is going to be bookended by, you know, elite players on, on each side of them. So it's a cushy kind of starting job. Obviously, when you had Brooks in there, then I mean, they were just dominant on that side of the line. You're going to lose something there. But Pryor would be my first guy up in terms of getting the first shot to start at that that spot. Yeah, I agree. And so I'm a little bit of a different mind when it comes to like, it might not be the biggest deal or it might not be the most important position. But I'm looking at it more in the context of like the offensive line as a whole. And Mm -hmm. you already have a big question mark right now at left tackle, which probably doesn't get talked about enough in Andre Dillard. And now you're losing, you know, a really, really good starting guard in Brandon Brooks. And, you know, the offensive line is supposed to be the strength of this team. Like that's how the Eagles, that's like their bread and butter is, is winning yep. in the trenches. Now you take away, or, or you get a drop off, I should say, potentially, depending what happens here at left tackle with Dillard starting. Now you have prior starting and maybe he's like fine, but 
And, but maybe he's not. Maybe he's bad. Like, oh, it's going to be it's going to be a downgrade to whoever fills in there. They, yes. There's no question about that. No, no question whatsoever. Brooks so, is awesome. Yes, he is. So I want to talk about some of the other options here. I yep. guess who would you say second is? I, I think Jack Driscoll. I ranked some, him, so like, yeah, I had Driscoll up next. Okay. Yeah, I I think it's interesting though because you know Driscoll doesn't have right guard experience. He has right tackle experience. He started a little bit at left guard as a, yep. a redshirt freshman at Auburn, and then he moved out to left tackle. U- UMass originally. And okay, then, sorry, uh, UMass. Yeah, he played guard yeah. at UMass, and then he transferred. He played right guard at, uh, at Auburn. Yeah, and then he was right tackle. I uh, finished up his Auburn career at right tackle. Um, so he doesn't – he hasn't actually played, you know, right guard proper. And in the shortened offseason, I really just wonder – like, you know, what the tra- transition is going to be there. And also just not a guy talking to the uh, SB Nation Auburn blog, really known for his power. And I just I just kind of wonder uh, about that. It's also interesting. The Eagles also list him at tackle officially for whatever that's worth. That might mean nothing. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Like that Dr- Driscoll is as sure of a bet. I read what you wrote about him and you seem to think he might be able to contribute more. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like you don't know what these guys are until you see him in camp. Or at least, and even then, you don't know. But you, you don't really get a sense of what they are until until you see him in camp. And you know, you mentioned he didn't play right guard proper, but he did play guard. And he did play on the right side. So I don't think there's going to be an issue with him. Like it's not going to be like Dillard last year, where he knew he wasn't going to play well at right tackle. It's not going to be like that. He does have experience on the right side. So if you know if he does get a chance there, it's not like he's his feet are going to be. He's not going to be stumbling over himself and stuff like that. But what you mentioned is is right on in that. You know, he's not like a the, the big concern about him coming out of college. I knew nothing about him when, when the Eagles drafted him. Like they picked him, I was like, ah, damn it! Like I don't, I don't like he was, he was one guy that I didn't know anything about. So um, when when I did kind of look into him, the big concern about him was his functional strength, and he's going to be able to anchor against more powerful interior defensive linemen. But the athleticism isn't, isn't a concern at all. Like he yeah. he tested out really really well at the combine. So there's no, there's going to be no concern there, and there was thinking that you know he he will have guard tackle versatility in the pros. Arms aren't super long, so like you know that's not ideal for for a tackle. It's fine, or, or it's more acceptable anyway when you're when you're playing a guard. So I I do think he is a viable candidate, and I think he will push prior. And he's a fourth round pick, so it's not like yep. it's not like he was like a sixth or seventh round pick or something like that. They're going to expect him. To at least provide some kind of competition. Any of Nate Herbig, who the team was pretty high on last year, and they that, kept him on the roster the entire year. Kept him on the roster the entire year. They also gave him the biggest signing bonus, along with T.J. Edwards. They were both tied mm-hmm. for the highest signing bonus last year of their undrafted rookie free agents. And also, I think interesting thing to note with Nate Herbig that I might have mentioned on the show here before: he's very young. He's incredibly young. He was only he's he he twenty. 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When the Eagles signed him last year. And uh, he's still 21 right now. I think he'll be turning 22 soon here. Um, so just a really, really young guy. So you kind of maybe think, you know, okay, he gets in the NFL program. He can get stronger. The Eagles clearly like his potential. And then same thing with Suo Opeta. You know, the Eagles yeah. kept him on the practice squad. And I actually believe they made him one of the highest paid practice squad players in the league. Well, somebody tried to poach him. They, they yeah. actually they pay, they paid him like, um, well, I guess they elevated him to the roster. Yes. Uh, but, but was it the Dolphins that tried to poach yes. him? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and he's a guy that, like, you know, again, like, like, uh, like Driscoll, um, tested out really well. Uh, in, in you know, his measurables, like, he's really strong. I know his bench press numbers were 
Or really, let me, let me take a it's look. Like 98, he did, he, he, did, he did th- 39 reps yeah, <laughs> of, uh, of, of 225. That's, you know, super impressive, obviously. And then like his, his, you know, his, his explosiveness measurables like the 40 yard dash, vertical jump, broad jump, they're, they're all in the 90 percentile. Now, like the 20 yard shuttle and the three cone, which is more agility based. Those aren't so great, but, uh, you know, he's a guy that they did, you know, see something in and uh, obviously wanted to keep him, didn't want him to get poached. So they brought him up to the roster they didn't want to keep him on the roster. So he's another guy to look at. And then another guy that we've, you know, you and I have talked about uh, as an undrafted free agent, Luke Jariga, yes. who, you know, the team kind of, or I think he's being projected at center, mm-hmm. but now he might also get a shot at guard. He started more games at uh, Western Michigan at guard than he did center. Oh, did he? So, I didn't yeah, know that. He actually, okay. and, and at right guard too. So he has experience there. He actually, um, like the, the, their best season that Western Michigan has had in a long time, they went like thirteen and one or something, and whatever conference they're in, um, I think it's the Mac. <laughs> they're the Mac, yeah. yeah they um, <laughs> like he was starting for them all season, like when they had like their best season at right guard. So uh, definitely, and the Eagles gave Jariga the, the highest amount of guaranteed money out of their undrafted rookie free agents this year. So definitely, kind of uh, in the mix in some way, not likely at all to start. I think it's probably between prior and then maybe a guy like Herbig or Opeta has a chance. But Jimmy, another option here that technically internal option because he's familiar, but not on the team yeah. right now, he's a free agent, Jason Peters. There's some thought out there that like, oh, the Eagles should just sign Jason Peters and put him in at right guard. And it's that simple. Tell people why they're wrong. <laughs> well, I actually do think he could figure it out. Like if you did drop him in at right guard, he'd be, he'd probably be a better player than Matt Pryor would, for example. But you're not going to pay him what he's going to, you know, be looking for as a free agent to come back in. He's not going to want to play right guard. First of all, I wouldn't think anyway. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to speak for the guy, but like he's going to look at Andre Diller and go, "I'm better than him." Like, yep. Why wouldn't I be playing left tackle? So uh, I think he's going to play left tackle and left tackle only for the rest of his career. I know that like at one point during like a locker room session after a game, he may have mentioned that. You know, he he might be open to playing guard, kind of reverse course on that at some point. I know he, he may have said, like, another time guard was possibly an option. But for the most part, he is really stuck to the idea that he's a left tackle, and that's all he wants to be. And he's, he feels like he's still playing at a really high level. And actually, so did the Eagles last year. So, I mean, I know some people disagree with that, but I don't think you're bringing him in at what he's going to cost, and you're going to drop him in at right guard. Because, I mean— you can kind of like maybe – I saw like an argument that like you can do that. You kind of have your cake and eat it too or you bring him back and you can kind of – you know, you have him there and if Dillard falters, he can play left tackle. Dillard's fine. Then JP just stays at right guard and, you know, happy, happy, joy, joy. Your first-round pick is actually playing okay. It doesn't really work that way. <laughs> like it's, this is, like it's, it's not like this is uh, – I guess the way that – you know, you you put it uh the way that you put it was like it's, we're not playing Madden here. Yeah, you can't just drop. It doesn't. It's not like it's never. I feel like people take that approach though, and that, I guess that kind of frustrates me because it, like it's just it's not as simple as you just put Jason. Like the Eagles don't just have control over Jason Peters too. Like he has <laughs> right. a say in this. Like he's just yes. not going to sign with the team if he doesn't want to do that. And there's a good chance yes. he just wouldn't. Like Jason Peters. For as much as he said the guard thing, and I don't take much stock of that because it seems like he said that, but it's kind of like been in passing. It doesn't seem like like a really serious thing he's right. actually meant because 
I've seen him after saying the guard thing and people bring it up as like proof. I've seen him get mad when people ask him that. Like, like, yeah. like legitimately like get mad. Like, no, I'm not a guard. Are you kidding me? Well, that's what I was getting <laughs> so, to. He, what he said specifically is like, who's playing tackle better than me on this team? Like, who's, who's the better <laughs> right. tackle? Like, tell me who they are. Because And yeah. so I think there's a total pride thing there. And, and rightfully so. He's a future Hall of Famer. Like, I get it. So, yeah, I, I don't see that as a realistic option really at all in terms of likelihood. I mean, yeah, if it, this is Madden and you could get him to agree to it, sure. Like, that would be nice in theory. But I think – but I do think Jason Peters will be on this team. And uh, kind of got mentioned in the Derek Gunn report who originally reported the uh, Brandon Brooks story there that, like, he thinks the Brooks injury will kind of grease the skids here uh, for the JP return to happen maybe even sooner or, or just, like, definitely going to happen now. You know who else has experience, Brandon? Who, Jimmy? Kristen and Stephanie Roach of Roach Realtors. Oh, wow. They boast 50 years of combined experience in real estate sales. Did you know that? I didn't, and I didn't. If you're... <laughs> I didn't. Uh, are they going to play right guard or no? <laughs> well, if you're looking for a new home, they're dedicated to listening intently and matching individuals and families with the home and neighborhood that best fit their needs. And they're expert negotiators, negotiators like Howie Roseman, who know the market trends and get you the best price possible. If you're looking to sell your home, Kristen and Stephanie understand that buyers, more than ever, are doing the bulk of their searching for a new home online. Buyers are attracted to pictures, the description of the property, and of course the price. That is why it is paramount that your listing pops off the screen and grabs buyers' attention. They employ professional photographers, including drone photography for overhead shots. They are experts in interior and exterior design. They can help stage your home. And they have the help of a professional writer whose name you may or may not whose name may or may not rhyme with Kimmy Jemsky mm. to make the <laughs> to make the description of your home stand out from the crowd. Check out Kristen and Stephanie's v- reviews on Zillow.com. You won't find a single bad review. Like literally, like they have like a pretty healthy number of reviews on there. Not a single four star review in the mix. Like it's five stars across the board. Like like close to like a hundred reviews. So. For a free consultation, they're legitimately very good, uh, or a market analysis of your home, call or text Kristen Roach at 856-906-9295. She's currently in the next room over playing Mario Kart, I think I hear. Uh, Again, that is 856-906-9295, or go to roachrealtors.com. Brandon? Back after this. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 124. We went through some internal options, Jimmy, for the Eagles to replace Brandon Brooks. I want to talk about some external options uh, before we also kind of talk quickly about the long-term implications maybe of the yep. Brandon Brooks uh, injury. But some for, for some external options here, I think the first name that is obvious and kind of jumps out at you is a name that I've been saying all offseason, Jimmy. It is finally time. For the Eagles to sign Adrian Waddle, I've been calling for it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Although he can play guard, but for really for serious though, uh, Larry is he Warford, still a free agent? Lee Adrian? He, yes, Adrian he is, Waddell. Jimmy. Okay, 
uh, more of a tackle. But Larry Warford yeah. is out there, and he's a name that has ties to the Eagles, Jimmy. Did you know he was drafted by Jim Schwartz's Detroit Lions in the third round of the 2013 NFL Draft and current Eagles director of player personnel slash senior defensive assistant Jeremiah Washburn, who is mm-hmm. Jim Washburn's son. He was actually Warford's yeah, offensive, offensive line, line coach. coaching uh, experience too, right? Yep, from 2013 through 2015. So three seasons yeah. there, he was Warford's uh, you know coach. And that was a time where Warford, like he was a third-round pick and he – he excelled. He was named to PWFA's like all rookie team. He okay. was like graded out super highly by Pro Football Focus. Like by all accounts, you know Larry Warford. Like it, it, he exceeded expectations with Washburn there. So I, I definitely think that's an interesting connection. Now the issue, of course, is that um, he's probably going to want more money, maybe than the Eagles are comfortable giving out. But uh, how do you feel about a Larry Warford? Yeah, I think he's probably like you said. I think you hit it. Like he's going to probably want more money than they're going to want to pump into that position like so like you look at brandon brooks's numbers for example and let me just pull this up like his cap hit in um 2020 isn't isn't a lot like it's it was like 7 million or something like that yeah 7.79 million so 7.8 million uh in 2020 and then it really gets higher in 2021 and beyond you're looking at 14.5 17.5 16.1 and 17.1 from 21 uh, from 2021 to 2024. So anyway, you get one more year of like not killer money for Brandon Brooks. But if you sign Warford for you know one year, what's that going to cost you? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think? What do you think that's going to cost? Like five, six million, something like that. I guess. I mean, he, he did make three, three, what three straight Pro Bowls. Yes. So like, he's not going to settle for like chump change. And I Unless assume some of those dries were, up. Some of those have to be because I don't know the Larry, the whole Larry Warford history, but some of those have to be because like guys pulled out, right, or like went to the Super Bowl or something. Like Brooks made Good the question. Pro Bowl for sure last year, and uh, you know he couldn't play because of his shoulder, so that's a spot that opened up. So I don't I don't know how many of those are like legit Pro Bowl uh, nods or whatever, but uh, certainly got enough attention where uh, he was named to three straight Pro Bowls, so it's impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, again, I don't know that like, I don't know that they want to spend that money and I don't even know if they have the money to spend because you look at their finances and you know, they, they do have legitimate cap concerns in 2021 and they're going to need to roll over as much of their 2020 cap into the following season as they possibly can. So I think f- before they would sign a guy like him, they would want to see, if one of their younger guys can step up and then if not, then you might hit the panic button and sign a guy like Larry Warford. Of course, by then he might be gone, mm-hmm. but I would say it's unlikely that they would sign a guy like Larry Warford. Yeah. I think you're just basically hoping for the Eagles that his market kind of just dries up and he still wants to play and he has really no other choice, but to take, you know, a below market deal and you kind of get him at a price better than you expected. Um, the other name like if, you have, if you have a, if you have a ton of cap space, go right ahead. Like you know, yeah, of course. Bring him in. Bring him in today. You know. Yeah. But that's just not the reality. Uh, the other names I wanted to mention here: Ronald Leary, former Cowboys player. Uh, yep. Most recently played for got Rich a lot Gangarello. of money in Denver. Yeah. Yeah. Last year with the Broncos, made twelve starts at right guard last year before missing the final four games due to injury. Turned thirty-one in April. Still a little bit on the older side, but uh, still needs a quality player. Again, kind of comes down to price. And then also wanted to mention uh, Mike Person. It's a, a very generic name, Mike Person. <laughs> right. But uh, also, he overlapped with Scangarello in 2015 on the Falcons and then the 49ers in 2018. 
And Person has actually made 30 starts at right guard for the Niners over the past two seasons. Um, he's going to be 32 years old soon. Mike, Mike Person. <laughs> he's a real guy. Uh, Joe Human. Joe Human. I I think Person kind of makes sense for them in the, in the sense that like he has some starting experience. He probably shouldn't break the bank. He has some experience with Gangarello for whatever that's worth in the scheme or whatever. Um my my thing when it comes to a veteran is I think they should kind of add someone, even if it's just like a body, a warm veteran body, just because there's some. I think these options are decent out there. They're not like nothing. They're nothing special. But for what this time of year is, I think it's worth bringing a guy in. Um, I think there's risk in just sticking with the young guys. It's like there's. I think there's a pretty decent chance like none of them pan out. Like there, that's that has to be a realistic possibility. And uh, so maybe though you can you can wait to sign them. You don't have to sign them now. Again, like you said, if they struggle, you can kind of go that route. But just given the importance of the offensive line, and like going back to Carson Wentz, like Carson Wentz is the most important player on the team. Like you want to keep him healthy. You don't want to like you don't need to mess around when it comes to investing in the offensive line and kind of be like, oh, we can kind of take a, a a break here. Like I feel like they kind of have to to balance that line of okay. You can't spend too much because you want to be careful about your cap situation. But you can't just like, I don't know. You can't be too willy nilly about it. Ray Guy is another one. Ray Guy, Hall of Famer. <laughs> but yes, uh, actually, it was a first round pick to his winner. But yes, I, you know, I, I see your point. Um, we have spent a lot of time talking about the right guard position. <laughs> we have, Jimmy. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, but, but that's uh, I, I I see your point absolutely. Like. It, like I like you know like I just said, I think they'd like to see it, one of their younger guys step up. Mm-hmm. But if they if they find out that you know that doesn't happen, and then they go to sign one of these guys later and they're all gone, mm-hmm. then you know that's not great. But I kind of have the feeling that I mean there was like a long Kaplan tweeted out a list of like the best available you know interior linemen, and you know I'm not up on you know each of those. There's like a list of like seven or eight guys. I'm not up on, you know, those seven or eight guys' careers. Like, I'm not watching interior line play from the Chargers, for example. But, you know, they're all recognizable names, at least. So, I, you know, I assume that, you know, at least a handful of those guys are still going to be available in the training camp mm-hmm. if they haven't signed anywhere by now. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do see the point of uh, bringing in an established veteran that you at least kind of know what you're going to get. Whereas with the uh, the guys currently on your roster, the only guy that you kind of have a good idea of what you're going to get because you already saw him play a little bit is Matt Pryor. But other than him, you really you're kind of going in blind. Well, how do you feel about the long term implications of the Brandon Brooks deal? I mean, we're not going to. It's see not him. good. Yeah, we're not going to see him again at earliest till like, I think he's going to be 32 and 2021. And yeah, it's not great. I mean, you, you tear both of your Achilles. Hmm. Kind of a big deal. I mean, like you had. This is the third year in a row now that he had a season ended. Uh, you know, obviously it doesn't feel that way because he got knocked out in their final game in 2018 when in, during their playoff loss to the Saints, and then they, you know, he gets knocked out week 17, the you know game before their final game in 2019. This year they're going to miss him for the entire season, so it's going to feel you're we're gonna, you know Eagles fans are going to feel the brunt of him missing the entire season. Uh, as opposed to the last two years. But those are three years in a row where a season was ended by some sort of major injury. It's hard to come back from that. Like, it was really impressive how quickly he came back from that first torn Achilles. Like, he, what did that happen? January, like, 15th, 16th or something yeah, like that, that year. And he made it back in time for the end of training camp. 
and he started week one. They took him out like early in that game. But then after that first week one game, he like he played every snap basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, like he didn't come like they didn't take him out of any games at any point the rest of that year. Uh, you know, just to give him rest or whatever. So the guy like is kind of a marvel in that he was able to recover. Like to do that at three hundred and forty pounds or whatever he is is yeah. kind of remarkable that he was able to recover from from an Achilles injury that quickly and uh, play at the level that he did. So, I mean, he's done it before. I certainly don't want to count him out, but just the fact that he's torn both Achilles now is not good. And, uh, oh, it's not good. Uh, and just, you just can't, you just can't tear both your Achilles. No problem. <laughs> like I mentioned earlier, like he's given thought to retiring before too. Now that wasn't injury related, but still mm-hmm. like, you know, it could be like, what if he just doesn't love the game as much, you know, like when he's working out and maybe he does, this is, I'm just speculating, but I'm saying in this kind of Andrew Luck world that we live in now, like, you know, where a player, like a big name player or even Luke Keekley, you know, some of these guys step away, like when you don't really expect it. And I just, you have to kind of wonder about that too. I would think that doesn't happen, but I'm just saying like, what if Brandon Brooks decides like, you know what, like I've worked my way back from these injuries and I'm, I'm kind of just done. Like I'm good. Like I, I've, I've had it. I'm, I'm just ready to walk away. So that's something to think about too. Um, and it kind of makes the thing, you... that we don't, the thing that we don't see too, sorry to cut you off. The thing that we don't see too is like, you know, media and fans is like when these guys go through these, like rehab from, from these injuries sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you have any idea like how much they like what they go through to get their body back in the condition to play again, especially with Brooks, how quickly he came back, like in eight, nine months or whatever it was like the, just the grueling nature of, of rehab itself sucks and for him to have to basically either be in rehab or in season for what the last you know year and a half and it's going to be continued now obviously with the rehab of this achilles it's just like it's it's got to wear on you both physically and mentally the last thing i'll say is that you know harry roseman signed Alshon jeffrey to a terrible contract obviously or you know the way they restructured the contract last year and now you're looking at this Brandon Brooks deal, and it's not the same situation because the the Alshon one yeah. was just like a totally unforced error. But still, I mean, you could you could argue it's somewhat of an unforced area error. Still, like they didn't have to rush to pay Brooks, who you know is aging and did you know they knew was coming off the injury at the time they signed him. So this is like the downside of that deal. Like, how like many years the, did he have left when they did that? I can't remember. I think it was like one or two, or, or it had to yeah. be two. He wasn't going to be a free agent this offseason, we know. So he, he was at least signed through this season. So, but the point being, like, they, they didn't have to rush to sign him. So this is, you know, some of the downside of, of getting ahead of the market. Like, the, the, the upside of getting ahead of the market is you potentially get uh, a good rate or a bargain, even potentially. But, you know, the downside is you do it too early and then the player gets hurt and you're kind of banking on an older player. So just wanted to. Keep that For in the mind. most part, Howie's been good at that, mm-hmm. but Jeffrey was a huge, huge miss, mm-hmm. obviously. And uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, there, there is certainly uh, room to second guess the, the Brooks extension. So getting into what Doug Peterson had to say, other things that he had to say about Brandon Brooks now that we've spent one hour just talking about <laughs> that. But in fairness, it is the only Eagles news in forever. So, <laughs> Well, he's an important player. I mean, and he's, and he's, a, he's an important player not only like on the field, but also just in the way that he has, you know, sort of um, connected with a lot of uh, fans that sort of uh, have the same condition as him or similar conditions. So Doug Peterson... So he's, he's, he's worth discussing, for sure. Oh, of course. I'm just kidding. He's worth extended ex- discussion, that is. Doug Peterson, Jimmy, guaranteed that Alshon Jeffrey... No, he didn't quite do that. Um, <laughs> he did say... He was having an haul in the beginning of that question, by the way, and then he said what he said. But go ahead. Well, he... he <laughs> 
I'll read it for you. Alshon yeah. has done extremely well this offseason with his rehab. I've been not just Alshon, but with all our veterans to be part of the virtual offseason like they have. I've been really impressed with everybody that's taken part. And Alshon is one of the play, uh, one of the guys. The dialogue that he's had in the receiver room, being able to converse with some of the younger players that we have in our roster, and just getting the uh, just getting themselves back healthy. And obviously, there's no timetable for him right now. I just want him to focus on his rehabbing and get strong. But the second part of your question is, he's a big part of the offense, and we do plan to have him in the offense at some point. But if there's a couple of games there where he's not ready. We're not going to put him out there and just wait for him to get healthy. But yeah, he is a big part of the process moving forward. And he's a great leader. And he's going to be able to help the young players come along. <laughs> yeah, you can pencil him in for the pup list, I would say, at this point. You know what's funny? So I had never actually read Doug's book until <laughs> until this, like, this past week. I actually started reading his book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read like the first half of it. And he loves Alshon. Okay. Did you read his? You, I'm no, sure you read his book, right? Oh, didn't. You didn't read his book either? No. We're bad media. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I never, I never took the. I bought it like when it came out, and then it just sat on uh, on a shelf in my house for like three years. And I went to the Outer Banks last week, and I uh, I read it on the uh, back deck. But uh, yeah, for the first half of that book, yeah, I mean he t- he's just like glowing praise of Alshon mm-hmm. repeatedly, like how great a week he had of practice in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, how big of a free agent signing he was and on and on and on. So uh, it's not surprising to hear Doug talk up uh, Alshon. Uh, he has always liked Alshon, and I guess he continues to like Alshon. I still remain of the belief that Alshon's not going to play another down with Carson Wentz again. Jimmy, I'm really interested to see what Alshon Jeffrey looks like in this offense this year that's being run by offensive coordinator Mike Rowe and wide receiver coach Carson Watts. I'm really interested in seeing that. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, you know, those guys that Doug Peterson was, said, was, the guy Doug Peterson said was definitely going to be back this right. year. You know, those two guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That, you know, oh, well, okay, I see your point. Yeah, I got you, got you, got you. Okay, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm quick. I get, yeah. I get, I get jokes. A lot of people confused when they like, did that <laughs> twice online. So if you already saw those twice and I just made that joke a third time in your life, then yeah. you probably think I'm really funny, so. And the coaching staff is actually the thing that Doug is supposedly supposed to have full control over, whereas the players definitely are not. Yes. <laughs> and he said, he said a, co- he said a coach is going to be back and the next day he's gone. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Uh, the other thing, I guess the other big thing that come out of Doug Peterson's press conference was a question that you asked, Jimmy. So I'll let you kind of phrase this. Yeah. So I asked Doug uh, if they intended on – uh, just letting Jalen Rager focus on one specific wide receiver position, whether that be the X, Z, or slot, uh, or if they're going to attempt to cross-train him like they did last year with J.J. Arthago-Whiteside. And uh, I think Doug was pretty firm in initially answering the question in that he was going to focus on one position. And then, toward the end of his answer, sort of... Uh, and then we'll maybe add more to his plate. He didn't say this exactly, but we'll maybe add more to his plate as he sort of gets it. But he's going to initially play the same position as Deshaun Jackson, which makes sense, which is the Z position. I don't think that necessarily means that uh, he'll only see the field if uh, Deshaun Jackson is not on the field. But I do think they are taking the right approach with him by just having him initially focus on that Z position. How about you? Yeah, so last year, the big excuse like why... J.J. Ortega-Whiteside wasn't playing more initially early in the season, you know, when Deshaun got hurt and Alshon was banged up there, 
was that they had only been training JJ at X and then throughout that period and then later into the season there was you know talk that he was kind of cross training and, and picking up more although again as we pointed out here in this podcast he said after the season that like kind of his part of his rookie struggles were you know kind of trying to figure out no position he was going to play from one week to the next yeah and, and he didn't have the mastered whatever so I guess in that vein, it makes sense to start Jill and Rager at one spot. And it also makes sense for Doug to kind of uh, temper expectations for him and any rookie yes. because that's what you want to do. You don't want to gas the guy up, you know, at least externally. You want to, you know, you want to uh, under promise and over deliver. So, uh, you know, I, I get it and it makes sense. But also, I kind of wonder, it makes me wonder a little bit, you know, how much of an immediate impact Jill and Rager might have because there's just because there's still so many questions at the receiver position. Like we don't, there's just so much to be answered there still. We don't know exactly where everyone is going to line up. Um, and, and who all is, is like who all is going to be um, like here or not in terms of all And if he's not, is JJ Ortega just in the starting lineup? And like, how does Marquise Goodwin fit in? And, yeah. and you know, does, is Greg Ward like the slot guy or is he not? So I don't, there's so many things there that's still to be played out that I don't really, I don't feel like confident saying I know exactly what Rager's role is going to be. I mean, I feel like he's going to get some playing time because he better. He's your first round pick <laughs> right, at 21. Yeah. When you, he's, he's your only significant investment you made at wide receiver <laughs> this entire off season. In the so, offense. Yeah. And in the offense as a whole, really. Yeah. So like he better freaking play. And you know, I, I expect him to be on the field, but I, I do wonder uh, how much it'll be, and, and I do wonder how much of an instant impact he'll have. Yeah, I do think he'll return punts, but you know that's oh, obviously yeah. not that's not good enough. You know, if you, you pick a guy as early as they pick him, he's got to play, especially on a team whose wide receivers are garbage. Excuse my, <laughs> that may be a little over the top, but <laughs> like we're certainly garbage last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy, did you know yes. that BGN Radio is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky? Of course, because I said at the top. Uh, it's the meat snacks that fuel. I your, love meat snacks. It's, it's they fuel your Philadelphia Eagles listeners. That's right. Righteous felon jerky and snack sticks are served at the Eagles Novacare Complex fueling station, where players get their pre and post workout protein fix. Obviously, this is when you know there isn't a coronavirus pandemic going on. If it's good enough for the Eagles, it's got to be good enough. For you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, PA. It uses locally sourced, all-natural black Angus beef and is committed to elevating the meat snacks category with superior quality and creative branding. You can try all the flavors. My favorite, as I've said before, is the Habanero Escobar. What is your favorite, Jimmy? Bur- those Bourbon Franklin. Yes. By, by, by the fueling station, by the way. Are you talking about that little area that's like right outside the locker, the, uh, locker room? I believe so. That that little nook or whatever you call it is awesome. Like they yeah. have like there's like a whole display of food and water and treats and I didn't know that that they uh, I didn't know that that they that righteous felon was part of that. They are, and Lane Johnson is a big righteous felon jerky guy, so that's cool. Okay, uh, you can go to righteousfelon.com and use the discount code BGN15 at checkout to get fifteen percent off when you order fifty dollars or more. Again, great Father's Day gift. Uh, there's no limit on how many times you can use the discount code, so do it a lot. You can load up on the same meat snacks that the Philadelphia Eagles do. Jimmy? Oh, so no, no more three-order limit? Nope. Okay. The Righteous Felon PR staff is uh, making it easier on you. It's good. All right, Jimmy. Yes. Back after this. Sorry. <laughs> 
Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Back here at BGN Radio for our final segment of episode 124. Kind of a potpourri, if you will, as I like to say here for the final segment. It's a lot of different quick hitting topics. I want to get on before we get out of here. Uh, Jimmy, I'm kind of feeling more discouraged, to be honest with you, about the prospects of this upcoming season, given the state of the world with the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, you have Zico Elliott uh, testing positive for coronavirus. Zico Elliott, who, by the way, went to a house party with Dak Prescott or at Dak Prescott's house where there was said <laughs> to be up to 30 people there like early. I am stunned that Zeke Elliott did not take social de- <laughs> did not take social distancing distancing seriously or, you know, or 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 so it seems. You have case, by this cases development. spiking in the U.S. across the country, <laughs> not so much. Here, here meaning uh, Pennsylvania and New Jersey in our area, I think this part of the country has kind of done a better job because they took the lockdown more seriously. Yes. Whereas around the country where they didn't, you're kind of seeing cases flare up. And then you're also like seeing that there might not be a major league baseball season. And there's other kind of there's other kind of reasons why uh, that's going to be the case. But it just kind of makes me all wonder, like, really, is there going to be a season? Where are you at, Jimmy? Yeah, I, I think the NFL is too greedy for them <laughs> for to, to not have a season. They're going to make it happen one way or the other it's really all i have to say about it. i mean whether that's a good idea or not is a totally different discussion but i do think there is going to be a season and i think it's going to start on time i really wonder what training camp is going to look like because that's making me nervous it's making me nervous from a media yes that's what coverage i'm saying standpoint well yeah. it, that should be of interest to fans too like how are fans going to get training camp notes like i feel like people care about that or, they or just... absolutely do there's a small segment that'll be like oh that's Awesome! Oh, my timeline's not filled up with poopy and <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone what? tweeting this. Everyone <laughs> tweeting the same thing. So and so, some third stringer is not going to make the team. Made a great catch. Who cares? Who cares? Shut up! There's going to be some of that. Like people are going to be like, ah, you know, <laughs> I don't miss it. But come on, for the I think the majority of the of the, uh, of the fans do appreciate. The practice notes, uh, maybe not necessarily the uh, in-practice tweeting, but mm-hmm. certainly the practice notes Yeah. after practice, like after, you know, you and I and, you know, a few others write those up. And I'll tell you what, page numbers say people like that shit. Yep. Excuse my language. Yeah, and I don't, I just don't know. Like, I just don't know if that's going to happen. I wonder, because, you know, I think there's kind of talk that there might they're, be like... They're fun to do, too. And I just like being able to watch all these players. Sure. Uh, from from one practice to the next and kind of see how you know players evolve throughout camp and just to get a good look at them like i don't want to miss a training camp of like you know this whole it's a big rookie class too there's 10 of them there's yeah. 10 rookie draft picks and a lot of like you know undrafted free agents that had draftable grades i want to i want to watch all these guys and like to miss a full training camp where there's 10 drafted rookies that's not like i like having that knowledge and having forming opinions of these guys from like day one and i am terrified that we're not going to be able to do that same 
it gives you a baseline <laughs> of just what to expect. And it's just, we're just flying blind here. So uh, one of the other quick things I wanted to hit on here, Jimmy, both John Stolenis and I, uh, when he filled in for you last week here in BGN Radio, he did our quarterback rankings through a snake okay. draft. And he also posted his full out rankings on bleedinggreennation.com. So check out that article if you haven't already. And we both had Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson at five overall. Do you think that's too high, too low, or just right? Yeah, I just pulled it up here, and uh, so you guys had, or I don't know how who drafted what, but number one was Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and he's going to argue with that. Number two is Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson. I think that's fine. Uh, number three is Peyton and Breeze. Not for long, but for now, sure. Mm-hmm. Number four, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. That's a weird... That's a weird one because, like, I think Pete Carroll is a good coach and obviously, like, has a great track record over, uh, you know, a long period of time. Mm -hmm. But he's not, like, you don't really, like, you wouldn't connect him with a quarterback the same way you would with Peyton Breeze or Reed Mahomes or Doug and Carson. Um, And their coaching staff doesn't maximize Russell Wilson. Exactly. They do a bad job of, of, you know, getting the most out of him. Exactly. That's exactly right. Um, so I wouldn't disagree with their ranking in that Carroll has a long history of success and Russell Wilson is, in my He's opinion, so good. the second best quarterback in the NFL, uh, second best player in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think four is, is, is fine for them. And then you guys, as you mentioned, have Doug and Carson fifth. I guess the contenders after that would be, uh, Arians and Brady. I think that's maybe a little high for them. Hmm. Uh, seven is McCarthy and Prescott. I probably have them a little bit lower too. Eight is Shanahan and Garoppolo. Shanahan carrying all the weight on that one. Yeah. Uh, nine, LaFleur and Rodgers. It's fine. Ten, mm. Vrabel and Tannehill. There's another one where, like, again, Vrabel is a uh, defensive coach, obviously. Vrabel is, like, I kind of like, like Vrabel. Vrabel. Yep, same. Uh, Quinn and Ryan from the Falcons, 11, 12, McVay and, <laughs> McVay and Cobb. Too high. <laughs> yeah, it's a little high. Tomlin, Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger's... Uh, you know, Roethlisberger is funny. Like you see, all like ESPN put that thing out where they did like the the mock draft of the first round. I forget if he made it on. Let me look that up. You're talking about the entire NFL redraft. They, they, yeah, the NFL redraft. They, so they looking, draft the entire it. NFL. He's not. He, he didn't get taken in the first round. And then I okay. did my own like big board on that. I didn't mm-hmm. have him in there either. And then somebody else had like did something similar. And I think they did have him on there, but he was like the 28th pick or something like that. So mm. a lot of people are beginning to believe that his he's done. Like like he was in the same draft class as uh, as Eli and uh, and Rivers. Rivers, it looks like, is going to be the one that kind of goes the longest but has the least to show for it. Uh, anyway, uh, 14, Kingsbury, Murray. Uh, that's fine. Reich and Rivers at uh, 15. Who did you, um, let's just skip through all these middle guys. Yeah, you yeah you're good. You don't, I, I've already gotten your thoughts to me. You can... Gase and Darnold, Gase and Darnold, last. Come on, you guys are that down on Darnold. I didn't. This is John's list, to be clear. I don't. (laughs) This isn't my list. (laughs) He's got Doug Marone and Gardner Minshew thirty first. And while I do think they should be near the end, they should be. I mean, that's last for me. Okay, Marone and Minshew. Um, Haskins. All right, read read the article for the rest. Read too. Anyway, (laughs) but uh, we also in this vein of the the quarterback uh, (laughs) rankings, we wanted to talk about uh, Carson Wentz, or you wanted to bring up Carson Wentz, like going what was it, tenth or eleventh in the NFL redraft behind yes Ronnie Staley at six. He he went uh, he went eleventh. 
So their order was Mahomes, Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. All that's fine. Okay, the first four are fine. Then whoever whoever the Miami guy is took Aaron Donald. Like, all right, Donald's a great player. But are you kidding me? Well, the Rams have to show for it. <laughs> you're gonna take Aaron Donald? You're gonna take a position player over a quarter? Like so, like in theory, like the next time you you're gonna pick, you're gonna get like the 25th best quarterback in the league because you decided Aaron Donald was that important. And the guy that picking sixth, this just blew my mind. <sighs> took Ronnie Stanley, offensive tackle for the Ravens. Like I'm sure Ronnie Stanley is a perfectly great offensive tackle, but like who's he gonna protect? <laughs> And then Joey Bosa went seventh. Like that's even that's ridiculously stupid too. And Breeze goes eighth. Breeze is too old to go that high. Prescott ninth. Prescott is not better than Carson Wentz. And Nick Bosa. So like four position players went in the top ten. Two Bosas. And then Wentz goes eleventh. Aaron Rodgers goes twelfth. Horrible. Couple more quick things, Jimmy. Well, one one more quick thing before we wrap up here. Who is your yes. favorite player on the roster? I did a post for okay. Bleeding Green Nation just because it was slow over the weekend, and I kind of wanted yeah. to just come up with a topic. And I wanted to write about Brandon Graham, who is obviously my favorite guy. Yeah. And I think I might have just stolen your answer because I think he's your <laughs> favorite player to cover. Is that the correct answer? Well, Donnie was always my guy. Of course. Uh, the current Don- roster, though. Every every practice, Donnie would come over and give me a fist bump at some point during the <laughs> practice. Um and it, it was to the point where, like, I'd be, like, holding a conversation with somebody and Donnie would come over and, like, I would barely even, like, look at Donnie. I'd just stick my fist up and he'd fist bump me and I'd continue my conversation. And I just looked super cool when that would happen. No big so, deal like, to you. So, like, I always appreciated Donnie for that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I agree with you on uh, on Brandon Graham is, is my favorite person uh, on the Eagles right now. And, you know, it's great. I was really happy. First of all, like, you know, as, as you know, media guys, we got to, you and I both grew up Eagles fans, right? So yep. like, and a lot of, and a lot of other people who cover the team did as well. You know, we, we both ran a fan site in Bleeding Green. You should currently run a, what's essentially a fan site in bleedinggreennation.com. I formerly ran it. So like, you know, we grew up Eagles fans and it's stupid to say otherwise. So like, um, you kind of like turn that off at some point when you do this job full time and you cover the team objectively and you criticize them when warranted and you praise them when warranted. But like when Brandon Graham stripped Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, <laughs> I was legitimately very happy for him because sure. of all the gar- all the crap that he went through. Like, you know, people just killing him for years because the Eagles took him instead of Earl Thomas or they took him in- instead of Jason Pierre Paul. Like it's not his fault. Like they took him over those guys and he wound up being a very good pick for this team. Um, you know, obviously disappointed earlier in his career, but he became a good pick. And I was really happy when he was the guy that sort of sealed the Super Bowl win. And then obviously, you know, we had, um, uh, you know, the Eagles were on all or nothing this year. And I think fans for the first time yes. really got to see how good of a guy that guy is. Yeah, and he wasn't hamming it up either, by the way. Like, that's just him. No, it's, that's like, just him. That's him. That's who he is. That's, that's who he is. And uh, good friend James Seltzer, you know, formerly of BGN Radio here, always told me a good story about how, like, he used to do audio for the Eagles. Like, he was in the locker room. He's working for the team for a little bit. Um, and, you know, one of the guys he'd interact with is Brandon Graham. And I guess there was a time there where James stopped doing the, the you know, the Eagles stuff. So he hadn't seen Brandon Graham for a while. 
But then Graham came into the studio at WIP when James was over there now. And Brandon Graham saw him there and he's like, hey, man, what are you doing here now? And like <laughs> he remembered who he was. And he, yeah. and James like told him, oh, you know, I, I moved over here from 975 and like, you know, I got a whatever, I got a promotion, whatever. And Brandon Graham was like just genuinely like elated for him. He's like, oh, man, that's awesome. He's like, you're living your dream, man. Like he was just super like, you know, energetic and charismatic and encouraging. And, uh, you know, there's no cameras on. That's just that's just who he is. It's, it, Brandon Graham's a genuine guy and uh, also seems to be a great dad as well. You know, he posts all the pictures of him and his daughter and his son. He's like reading with them or playing with them. I just, I think just a good family, man. That was also uh, portrayed in all or For nothing. Sure. You know, where his he's daughter having, is super cute too. Yes. So I, I just, I love BLG, my fellow Brandon Lee, Gra- Brandon Lee Graham, Brandon Lee Young. So uh, definitely Brandon Graham. Just wanted to give him some, some love. Uh, Quick seltzer story, by the way, you mentioned like when, when he worked, you, you're talking about when he worked for the Eagles, right? Yes. So one of his roles there was he would do the opposing team, conference call like he'd get the opposing head coach you know whoever they were playing that week or the opposing uh quarterback like when we would have when we get you know whenever we get to talk to you know those guys or whatever and one week it was uh dallas week and he he gets tony romo on the phone and he goes uh like he doesn't know tony romo he's never talked to tony romo before and uh he gets him on speakerphone he goes hey uh you guys ready yeah 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 we're good like the media guys uh-huh. and he goes you get to go tone <laughs> <laughs> that is you get to go tone he, he called him tone. So james james, does, <laughs> james i could I, I honestly when you were telling the story I, I almost thought that's what you're gonna say because like I, I could just see him saying tone i could just i can see him saying it that is just very he called him tone that's this is very james that's just very and, and he knew immediately like he's like why did i just call him tone <laughs> you know what's funny is, is like i feel like james and brandon graham almost have like that same kind of energy like they're just both very <laughs> right. energetic people um, do you have any final Seltzer thoughts? Seltzer also the best, the best car bomb drinker I've ever yes. seen in my life. Yes, you mentioned this. Yes, yes. Do you have we, any? Fi- we did we did a uh, charity thing last year for uh, so it was striking out cancer. I think it was, it was mm-hmm. and we we were guest bartenders at uh, Chickies and Pete's in Philly, and you know we were <laughs> we were we were allowed to drink too. So like I was doing a. Uh, car bomb with uh with my girlfriend i'm good at car bombs like i didn't think anyone would be able to beat me there and uh this is right in front of ray dinger by the way <laughs> like <laughs> we ask uh james if you, if you first of all we asked ray if you want to do a car bomb <laughs> ray doesn't drink ray's like and i knew that ray's like no 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 yeah so seltzer's like yeah i'll take one and he's like you're gonna get he's like i'm gonna crush you i'm like yeah okay whatever <laughs> and he's like he's like no 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 like i'm not like uh i'm not like a braggart or anything like that like i'm not like but if i say like i'm gonna beat you in something like and i mean it and yeah. sure enough like he like it, it's like he did it's like he it's like his like throat is just like a hole. Like yep. he just dumped it down his face and it was gone. Yep. Like it was incredible. And uh, yeah, so it was a car bomb. It was a rare car bomb loss for me. Do you have any other final thoughts, Jimmy? Uh, no, I think that's it for me. I think that's, uh, that'll do it for old Jimmy. So you? we'll be back here next week, I believe. We're, we got a big series coming up for you at the end of the month here. Jimmy's annual Ah, yes. Dumpster Fire series. So we're going to do some stuff with that in podcast form as well as the articles on phillyvoice.com. So you can check out Jimmy there. And you can also follow him on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Follow me at Brandon Gowton. Read my work at bleedinggreennation.com. This has been BGN Radio, which has, again, been brought to you. And thank you for listening. Uh, brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Remember, don't forget to use discount code BGN15. That's BGN15 at righteousfelon.com at checkout. 
get 15% off. Again, great Father's Day gift, so go check that out. We've already had some people who have tried it, and they've tweeted at BGN Radio. Uh, definitely do that if you like it. Um, loyal listener, I know Rich Bobby has tried it, and he's liked it, so definitely go check it out. The, the reviews are rolling in, and we will talk to you next time. Urban Franklin. Goodbye, everybody. BGN.